0: i many know Abraham as our father in faith, but not just any faith, the faith that trusts God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the God we worship. While I was uh, sitting there at worship, or not sitting there, towards the end of worship, um, I felt that God wants me to read this to you all, because this is what's going to be going on when we get to heaven. Revelations chapter 5, John says, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, millions of them. I saw recently, how many know who Reinhard Bunke was? He was a German evangelist that evangelized Africa. He attracted crowds of millions of people. Two million people has been recorded at his crusades. I've seen that just briefly as they, they had a, uh, a funeral service, a memorial service for him. It was on TV. And I was amazed because in rapid succession they showed pictures and, and videos of his crusades. And in two particular videos in the Crusades, I watched and very quickly you could see the crowd. hundreds of people right in the front. All of a sudden, something happened. Whoosh! They all fell down. The Spirit of God touched them and it looked like a whirlwind as they fell. Because God is powerful. Millions. As far as your eye could see in the video, there was people. And they had lights and everything set up. He was bound... I was going to say hell bound, but he was heaven bound to plunder the kingdom of darkness and take Africa for Jesus. That was his goal. He mentored a young man who is now taking his place and they're still actively working to win Africa. And this is what everyone said up in heaven as John watched. Worthy is the lamb how many know jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world was laid god already had the plan in in motion before we even came into existence before the big bang i'm working on a laboratory at the university of arizona and i told you before the professor has piles of scientific magazines on the there's a break table and uh, I look at them and most of the stuff I have no idea what it is. But they have a picture. How many of you know ever heard of the Crab Nebula? It's a gas cloud up in the Andromeda, I think, it, no, it's in the Cassiopeia uh, constellation. In the year, I believe it was 1045, it was observed. A supernova took place and a star blew up. And there's a cloud of gas, that's still expanding. And who knows how long it took place ago? To up in heaven, and, and scientists are able to look at that thing, and they can detect five elements. I believe there's six elements that are needed for life. Five of them are in that gas cloud out in the middle of space. Who put it there? How did it get there? It's because God created it, and God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. We're more than just a supernova cla- crab nebula. We're the kingdom of heaven here on earth and our job and our goal is to win the lost. We're here, as Reinhard Bunke said, I believe he's quoted as saying, we're here to plunder hell and populate heaven. Hallelujah. That's our purpose in life. Worthy is that lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. The kingdom of heaven is powerful. No matter what the world tells you, no matter what it looks like, the kingdom of God is continually expanding. Hallelujah. That wasn't in my sermon notes, so praise God. (laughs) Let's turn with me to Romans chapter 4. And we'll begin at verse 1. The faith of Abraham. Glory to God. It says... What then shall we say was gained by Abraham? How many know the kingdom of heaven prospers you? Not only physically, financially, but spiritually. And he's talking about in every way Abraham was blessed. What was gained by Abraham? Our forefather according to the flesh. And what this means is his, he is our um, father in the faith. In the faith. The God's Word translation says, what can we say that we have discovered about our ancestor Abraham? What have we discovered? If you read in the book of Romans, I want you to know particularly that this letter to the Romans, if you don't know, is mainly written to Jewish believers. It's written mainly to Jewish believers. And so this is who Paul is talking to. We, Jewish people. But, you and I have been grafted in. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. We haven't replaced Israel, we got grafted in. Just for, make you think, does that make us Jews now? No, we're not Jews. We're grafted in, but we are Christians. Because Why are we Christians? Because we're supposed to be Christ-like. That's what makes us Christians supposed to be Christ-like, loving people, telling them the truth and being a blessing to them. What can we say we have discovered? Abraham was justified by works? No, because if, he, if it was by his performance, then he could say, "Hey, <clears throat> hey God, <clears throat> you know I did this and that and you need to reward me now. But it was not by his performance, not by works. Yeah, otherwise, he'd be boasting. How many have met boasters? <laughs> we used to, when I was working uh, uh, years ago as a, uh, an apprentice carpenter, uh, there was a guy on, on our crew. I can't remember his, 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 his last name, but it, it, everything that he talked about was how wonderful he was. <laughs> He's so such, such a great guy. Oh, we did this and that. And I'm so good at this and that. And, you know, this guy drove me nuts. I said, okay, well, whatever. Okay, well, you're the best there is. And so um, I'll just follow your example and try not to boast. He could boast. Abraham could have said, hey, you know, I've got some accomplishments. He could have boasted, but not before God. How many know? You, you can say, you can give your testimony, And when you're telling people what Jesus has done for you, what your experience has been as a Christian, you're boasting, but not boasting yourself. You're boasting about what God did. Jesus set me free from alcohol. Jesus set me free from immorality. Jesus set me free from stealing stuff and being a thief. Jesus set me free from all these things that had me bound. I was talking to uh, one of my fellow carpenters uh, and I told him, I said, you know, I remember when I became a teenager and, and a young person growing up, I couldn't help myself. I, I was like, something inside me made me do all this stuff that I knew was wrong. He said, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> because whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. But when Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. Hallelujah. In the Weymouth Translation... It says, if, if Abraham was considered to be righteous on the basis of his actions, he has something to boast about, but not in the presence of God. He wants to show Paul is writing, and this is what the Protestant Reformation was all about, the doctrine what's called a justification by faith. The doctrine of justification by faith, according to Barnes' notes. This is nothing new. This is in the Old Testament. Justification by faith. Trust in God. Chapter 15 of Exodus. It says, what does the Scripture say? How many know? Even back then they knew. What does the Word say? (laughs) What does the Word say? (laughs) Ah, ah." He believed God. What does the Word say? In verse 3. Where did it go? Ah, Back. Back, back. What does the scripture say? What does the word say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. When did this happen? Well, if you're a Bible scholar, I'm not a Bible scholar. I just read the Bible and I try and study and hear from God and pray and ask God to help me say something that will make a difference in somebody's life. Chapter 15 <clears throat> God had already met with Abraham. His name was Abram at the time. Exalted Father was the meaning of his name. And then he had already met with him in Ur of the Chaldeans, which is in modern day northern Iraq, I believe. He says, Leave everything and go and look at this land. I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. So he goes over there and has some all kinds of stuff go on. And the Lord comes to him in chapter 15 in a vision. And Abram says, look, God, I don't have an heir. I have no kids yet. I'm old. There's my servant, Eliezer. He's going to inherit everything. And God says, don't worry about a thing. Check this out. This is right after chapter 13 where Abram and Lot separate. And God comes and he says, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. And your descendants will be as the dust of the earth in number. In chapter 15, he has, cuts a covenant with God. God tells him, take these animals, cut them up, and we're going to have a sacrifice. How many know, in the old days, that's how you wrote a contract out? You cut a covenant. You cut a contract. That's where the phrase cutting a contract comes. I want to cut a contract with you. Because in the old days, to seal a contract, you cut an animal's throat and killed it. And you ate the meal together. And that sealed the contract. And he says, you know what, Abram? From the Nile River to the Euphrates River, I'm going to give you and your descendants all that land. How many know that that has never been fulfilled yet? It hasn't been fulfilled yet. God promised Abram's descendants, the Israelites, the land from the Nile River, All the way to the Euphrates River. That's parts of Egypt, the Sinai, parts of Jordan, parts of Iraq. Modern day anyway. It hasn't been fulfilled yet. Who knows if we're ever going to see it fulfilled. never know. The end is coming soon though. So then it goes on in chapter 17. God meets him again. And he believes God. About that. I'm going to give you descendants. You're going to have so many descendants. You won't be able to number them. They'll be like the dust of the earth. Chapter 17. God gives him another sign. A token. He says, okay, Abram. You're going to have a son. From Sarah. I know you're 99, Abram. And I know she's 90. But guess what? It's going to happen. And to show you it's going to happen. You guys are going to circumcise all the men. Oh, did what? So he says, oh, Oh, But he says, okay. Now I thought about that and I was talking to my wife, Kathy, the other day about that. Why would God do something like that? Because it's a sign of an intimate thing. It's intimate. Not only that, but nobody can see it. When you're dressed, you got your clothes on, nobody can tell if you're circumcised or not. Because it's not only something physical, it's something inside. It's a sign of our relationship with God. God wants to be closer than a brother to you and I. God wants to be our very best friend. God the Father is like the best dad in the whole universe. He's got your interest at heart. He's got his kingdom interest at heart. He wants the best for you, not just good enough. Not just okay. God wants the best for you and I. God wants to use you and I to touch lives and hearts and to win souls to Jesus. How many know Jesus said, narrow is the gate, wide is the way, Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be thereon. But narrow is the gate, and few there be that find it. Oh God, I pray that there would be more people on the narrow gate than on the wide way. God, help us to win souls. So, has a name change, and he believes God. And it was counted or credited to his account as righteousness. When you and I will believe God, not only that, but he didn't know everything. How many know if God would give you the whole plan for your life right away It'd blow your circuits and you'd be impossible? You would be useless. You'd be short-circuited. There's too much, God. I wasn't sure if I should say this or not, but I had the strangest dream last night. I dreamt that I went to some type of clinic and they said okay, are you willing to give up your life? I said sure. Let's make an appointment. Okay. I made the appointment. I went back the next day for the appointment and uh, I changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) But it was supposed to be quick, easy and painless and I thought well wait a minute. God has a plan for me. I want God's timing, not mine. <laughs> Can you say amen? Praise God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Not only that, but his name was changed when he was circumcised. And of course, Sarah said, "Boy, oh, yeah, right, I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> and it happened. Praise God. It hinges On the act of believing. If God gives you a word. If God shows you something in the word of God. And he reveals something to you. Or you get an idea. And you know it's from God. And you exercise your faith. It's an exercise of the will and mind. And you decide. Yes God. That sounds like a great idea. I'm going to go tell my neighbor about Jesus. I'm going to give that guy who's standing on the street corner some money. And tell him Jesus loves you. I don't always do that. Very rarely do I give money to people standing on the street corners because there's plenty of places they can go to get help. But when God tells you, okay, give that person. Tell them about Jesus. Okay. I mean, it's, it's never, never the devil telling you to tell somebody about Jesus. It's always, always, always the Holy Spirit telling you, go tell that person about Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How many know salvation is great? Hallelujah. We couldn't do it on our own. That song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When people come to the understanding... I do not have the ability in myself to get right with God. I cannot do it. When you understand how lost people are, that only Jesus can save them. You come to that realization and you give your life to Jesus and surrender such a great salvation. Hallelujah. Here's a definition of righteousness. It's someone who has been redeemed and admitted into the favor and friendship of God. Before I got saved, I thought God was my enemy, and I was just waiting for God to swat me. Oh, you messed up, huh? That's it. Oh, God, did I confess enough? I'd go and do all the stuff that I was told to do, but it didn't change me. It didn't set me free. It was when I received Jesus and asked him to come into my life, and it began to change me. Lord of God. We are invited to come to Christ by faith. <clears throat> and we're treated as his friends. I like that song. I'm a friend of God. I told a guy one time I was working and uh, we had a laborer out there and his name is Abraham. I said, hey Abraham, friend of God, how you doing? He got mad at me. Don't call me that. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> We're treated as, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. Hallelujah. <laughs> I need a friend like that. If I fall down, he helps me get back up. If I have, how many ever have mental anguish? There's uh, who knows all kinds of stuff that uh, they prescribe nowadays. It's just brain chemistry. Oh, no, it's your thoughts. Get a hold of yourself. Let God touch you. Hallelujah. And Jesus treats us as his friends, even though we have been, still are, sometimes, and always will be. No, actually, we have been, we are, and we always will be personally undeserving. We don't deserve God's love. That's grace. Hallelujah. We don't deserve to be loved because of our rebellion. You don't have to teach kids to lie. You don't have to teach kids how to steal, how to, how to be selfish. It's nature. So my carpenter buddy was telling me, oh, I think every religion's, you know, good because it tries to make people good. Well, yeah, but religion. How many have ever read that scripture? He said to have a form of godliness, but deny die the power thereof. That's the religion I was in before. Go every Sunday, you do the thing, and, well, that night, go to the bar. It's like, didn't add up. Had a form of godliness, but no power. No power to save and set people free. You had to do it on your own. Make every effort. Well, if you weren't good enough, well, well you weren't good enough. Did all the rules. Well, oh, that made you good enough. But what if you messed up in the one of the rules? What did it all? That's what Jesus is for. Praise God. We're saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14, it says, We have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence to the end. There's going to be an end. Can you say amen? There's going to be an end and someday Jesus is coming back and he's gonna set everything right. Hallelujah. And he will rule the unrighteous and the ungodly with a rod of iron, it says. I don't want to be on the receiving end of the rod of iron. I want Jesus to look at me and say, Oh, there's my friend Joe. I prefer Joseph, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, verse four, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as is due. How many have a job here? You go to work, and your boss gives you a paycheck. Oh, thanks, oh, that's so nice of you. Says, no, I worked for that. <laughs> I have four broken fingers, a broken rib. <laughs> I worked for that. <laughs> oh, you're unsafe, huh? No, it's just <laughs> the nature of the job. It's dangerous work. I tried not to get hurt. (laughs) Praise God. But my boss doesn't give me uh, my paycheck because he's nice. He gives me a bonus because he's nice. That's a gift. Praise God. (laughs) But I cost him money when I'm working. And hopefully I earn him more money than I'm costing him. So he's hopefully happy with my work. He has been for the last almost four years. And uh, so I put a note here. Now, everyone say now. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So I put a note here duh. <laughs> because before I got saved, I thought my employer just was sharing the wealth with me. Oh, yeah, uh, so this is very nice. No, oh, I understood finally when I got saved. Uh, my first pastor told me no. Your employer hires you to make him money. Oh, it's like like a revelation. (laughs) Okay, well that changes a lot. But to the person who does not work, and this is talking about working for your salvation, but instead believes in Him, and that should be a capital H, because it's God who justifies the ungodly, that person's faith is counted or credited to them as righteousness. Simply believing what God did. That Jesus is more than enough to make you and I good enough to have a relationship with God and be His friend. That putting your trust to that the blood of Jesus can wash you clean and make you holy before a holy God. No, God is holy. And we need to approach Him with reverence and awe and respect. And that's why we have songs and we worship God in the morning before we get into all this other stuff. Because we want God's presence here, first of all. We're wasting our time if the presence of God's not here. Can you say amen? Amen. We need the presence of God. Hallelujah. But by faith, God says, oh, you believe me? I like that. Sorry, I'm quoting for God here, but being his spokesman. God says, you believe me? I like that. We're justified by faith. God's provision of salvation for guilty and lost sinners. That's what justification is. We couldn't do it on our own. God did it for us. In the 1500s, uh, the Protestant Reformation began because the uh, established church at that time was saying, oh, you can buy forgiveness. There's this piece of paper that says you're forgiven. It's an indulgence. We need the money. You need the forgiveness. Here you go. Hey, that's a great business. (laughs) But somebody said, wait a minute. That's not what it says in here. Praise God. It's a legal term that means when you were condemned and you came before the uh, uh, courtroom there, God says, not guilty. Because Jesus took the penalty that you, you deserved. Not only are we forgiven with justification, but God puts His righteousness into our account. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says these amazing words. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us in order to make us the righteousness of God in Him. When you received Jesus, God made you holy. How many say, say it with me, I am holy because of Jesus? I heard Rod, uh, Pastor Robert Morris uh, give an excellent illustration on what took place. The guys, uh, uh, the disciples, first of all, the women go to the tomb on resurrection morning. And it's really significant, if you know anything about those times, that it says that the women went there. Women weren't even allowed to give a testimony in a court of law back then. I mean, you know, it was only hundred years ago in this country that women got the right to vote. And that was the mindset back then. Women, but the women, it specifically mentions that the women went to the tomb first. And they leave, but Mary Magdalene stays there. And Jesus comes by and she thinks it's the gardener. What is the matter? Why are you crying? If you know where they took him, tell me so. He says, Mary calls her by name. Hallelujah. Jesus called every single one of us by name. Jesus knows your name. Hallelujah. Knows everything about you and still loves you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is what ha- he's, but Dr. Robert Morris is saying that it, he believes this is what happened. Mary goes to hug him and says, wait, wait don't touch me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet, but go tell my disciples to wait for me so-and-so place. And after he goes to the Father, he, he, this is the picture that he, he says he believes what took place is that Jesus, after the resurrection, he hasn't been glorified yet, he says, went to the throne room of God, to the courtroom of God, and presented the case. I paid the price for everybody. We all can be forgiven. All can be made holy and righteous. And that's when he came back and showed himself to the disciples. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. To make us the righteousness of God in him. The, uh, somebody uh, coined the phrase justification means it's just as if I'd never sinned in God's eyes. Not guilty, acquitted, Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter fifty, verse twenty, it says that they're going to search, but iniquities and sins will not be found. In Jeremiah chapter thirty-one, verse thirty-four, it says, "Their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more." God, this is the only thing God forgets is our sins when they're forgiven. The God, the omniscient God who knows everything, He purposely forgets sins past, sins forgiven. How many know also that when Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago, all of your sins were in the future. So Jesus paid the price for every sin. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The sign of circumcision was given to Abraham as a token or a seal of the righteousness by faith in God. He was declared righteous, however, before he was circumcised. Over to God. Let's go on to verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart or credits righteousness apart from works. This is from the Psalms. That's why it talks about David here. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. What does the word say? Here's the quote Blessed are those. What does it mean to be blessed? It means God's favors on you. You could be happy about this. Glory to God. Blessed is the man whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man or woman, anyone against whom the Lord will not count his sin or charge his account with. Lord to God, how many know God has a right to charge people for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Christ Jesus, the Lord. Lord to God, the great gift of God, His indescribable gift, is what the uh, Apostle Paul talks it about. The only thing that God can forget, God chooses when we come to Him through Jesus to forgive and to forget. What a blessing. Hallelujah. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? So only Jewish people get saved or what? Or is it also for the uncircumcised? The heathens. Those heathens. How many know hell's angels can get saved? How many know murderers can get saved? Paul the apostle was a murderer. Anyone can get saved. Whosoever will. Will. Call upon the name of the Lord. will be saved. It's that simple. It's so easy. Hallelujah. For we say that faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. He believed God. And God said, I like that. That's good. Now we have a relationship that's even greater than what before. How then was it counted to him? Before or after? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Circumcision is just a sign. Hallelujah. This means that those that follow the law are just as close to God as those who don't follow the law. Because the word says that God puts the law in their hearts. Justified by God and being regarded by God as his friend. He's the Father. Look what it says here in verse 11. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal or a token of the righteousness as he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose of the circumcision or the the, uh, righteousness that he has by faith was to make him the Father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. So, He gets circumcised because of his uh, righteousness and his faith. And that makes it available to us. And it also, his righteousness by faith, makes him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of faith. In other words, circumcision, it's not that big of a deal anymore. don't have to. You don't. They do it around here in this part of the world for health reasons. Everybody clean, hopefully. But it's not necessary to be right with God. Paul the Apostle had to fight with people. He even, uh, even had to confront St. Peter's. Hey, you guys are wrong. These guys don't have to get circumcised. They're not Jews. They don't have to get circumcised to, in order to uh, be right with God. That's not what makes somebody right with God. It's putting their faith and trust in Jesus. <clears throat> Praise God. And they have the same faith. Those who are circumcised or uncircumcised, everyone can have the same faith that Abraham had. Glory to God. So the the whole thing is the, the law versus faith. How many have ever heard of performance Christianity? Used to, many years ago, when I first got saved, the church was doing great. Then we had a pastor change, and then uh, some leadership got crazy, and... Uh, You had to be in the prayer service for an hour before church or you couldn't be in ministry. You had to come to church every morning before you went to work and pray for an hour or you couldn't do anything for God. Really? Can I pray in my truck on the way to work? I have an hour and a half drive. Oh, you have to be in the church. Okay. Kingdom of heaven's not like that. I like that song anytime, anywhere, any place. Oh, God. I'm never too much for you, God. That should be our attitude. I'm never too much for you, God. God. God never sleeps nor slumbers. He who watches over thee never sleeps nor slumbers. Glory to God. He's always awake, always on watch. Not like the prophets of Baal. They're calling in their God and Elijah says, Oh, maybe he's in the bathroom. <laughs> and they're doing all kinds of crazy things, cutting themselves. Oh, God, hear us, Baal, hear us. And, how I many you know what Baal worship is? It's human sacrifice of babies. That's Baal worship, and it's still going on today. Praise God. That wasn't in my sermon either. <laughs> so <laughs> now it is. Praise God. Abram, or Abraham, was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. I'm 99, my wife's 90. Okay, God, I believe you. Lo and behold, they had their promised child. But before that, he tried to do it on his own. How many know things get messed up if you try to do things on your own? God, let me help you. God said, no, 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 no. Stop, don't do nothing. Let me handle it. Praise God. (laughs) The law in Romans chapter 4 verse 13, or 15 here, says the law brings wrath because when, there is, when the law is around, it shows us what sin is. How many? If you don't know what sin is, read the book of Leviticus. Read the law of Moses. Those things are sin. And those, some of those sins is what got God so upset that He told them, Israelites go conquer the land of Canaan and destroy everything and everybody. Because whatever they were doing was so nasty God said we can't have this thing around anymore. But Abraham and his offspring, her children, the promise that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. Simply believing by in God it's the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs then faith is null and the promise is void. So the promise is received by trusting God. I don't know about you, but I'm trusting God in the area of finances. I need God's help. I need God to help me in the area of finances. I'm believing God and trusting God for the winning of unsaved loved ones. And I hope you are too. But I understand that I'm not going to just butt in and do whatever I want and tell God, okay, this is how I want you to do it, God. I mean, no, we don't get to tell God what to do. (laughs) God's God, we're not. And in some cases, it's a good thing that we're not God because everybody would be wiped out. There'd be no chance for anybody. (laughs) Praise God. God is so good and gracious to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, that's why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed. How many like a guarantee? You get, take your vehicle to the shop, and they say, okay, uh, these parts are guaranteed for life. And, and they break down, and you bring the car back, and they say, oh, well, the, and sorry, the warranty's out. And uh, No, they're guaranteed for life. Oh, we'll replace them, but uh, you have to pay for the labor, but the parts are guaranteed. I'm mean, going you know our salvation is guaranteed? The promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ our Lord. That God doesn't say maybe. God says yes, definitely. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Not only to the inheritance, but everyone who shares the faith of Abraham. Now, I'm going to say something a little controversial here about the faith of Abraham. Around 600 A.D. there came an individual on the scene in the world who decided that uh, he was uh, hearing from God and uh, he started this movement that uh, plans to take over the world by force. Claiming They claim that uh, he, they're descendants of Abram and that uh, Ishmael is the promised son. But it's not true. The promise comes through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he is the father of, and the faith of Abraham is the faith that trusts in the living God, the only true God. There's a movement going on in the world today, the interfaith movement. Oh, let's find out what we have in common. You ever see those bumper stickers that say coexist, like all the different religion symbols? That's fine and dandy. However, <clears throat> Jesus must have the preeminence. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus of Nazareth is God come in the flesh. Whoever denies that Christ has come in the flesh is denying the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. Religion is man trying to reach God. Jesus is God coming down to reach man. Big difference. Hallelujah. Verse 21. Uh, let's see. Oh, we'll back up here <laughs> to verse 17. As it is written, there it is again. What does the word say? God says, I have made you the father of many nations. He changed his name from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, the father of a multitude even though he didn't have any kids yet. How many know that after Ishmael and Isaac, he had a lot of sons? A lot. I believe he had at least 12. And daughters. And he was over 100 years old. (laughs) If that's not miraculous, I don't know what is. (laughs) Hallelujah. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, Hallelujah, the God whom he believes gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hallelujah, you and I have the privilege since we're the friends of God now that we can uh, (coughs) call things as though they are even though they're not. That's faith working. God, I'm believing you to help me in this area. Doesn't look like anything's happening right now but I'm trusting you, God. How many of you might be facing impossible situations? It's not impossible. With God, all things are possible. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Paul's praying for the Ephesians. He says, I wish God would open your eyes so you can see what's going on really. And then he goes on to say, now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. God can outdo you. <laughs> Hallelujah. God can do more than you even think. God can do more than you can even imagine. God could save the President of the United States and help him stop <laughs> tweeting stuff he shouldn't be tweeting. God. <laughs> God. God can save your unsaved loved ones. God can change the course and destiny of nations. There are over a billion people in China now. There are over a billion people in India now. And there's forces at work trying to stop the spread of the gospel in those areas. Throughout the Middle East and and Asia, multitudes in the Valley of Decision, God is able to make a way to save souls according to the power that works in us. That power that works in us is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I long to see the power of God being released in our lives in this little church in every church where they call upon the name of the Lord in spirit and in truth. I long to see the power of God being released and saving souls uh, and touching lives and changing people and setting them free from whatever has them bound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says, You have received the same faith that Abraham has. You and I have the same faith that the Apostle Paul had, that the Apostle John had, that all the twelve disciples had, that the 500 that saw Jesus go up to heaven had. Hallelujah. And the angel stood there and said, You see that same Jesus? He's coming back the same way. Hallelujah. We have that same faith. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, Paul writes and he says, You know what? I long to visit with you guys. I long to be in your presence and your company. And the reason is to be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. This is why it's important to come to church. This is why it's important to fellowship, have lunch together. Meet with people and, and, and share your faith, how God's working in your life, and what you're believing God for. Because the mutual faith of one another encourages one another. If God could do it for you, God could do it for me. If God can move in my life, God can move in your life. Hallelujah. Then we'll close with this. He believed he, it, it was hopeless. But he believed God. He did not weaken in faith when he looked at the circumstances, his own body, good as dead. And he didn't consider that his wife was really old, really, really old. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Because everywhere he went, he said, My name is Abraham, I am the father of many nations. Well, where's all your kids? My name is Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. That's what God told me. God gave me a promise. Hallelujah. God has given you and I exceeding great and precious promises whereby He has made us become partakers of His divine nature. When you don't know how to love somebody, Ask God, show me. God, put your love in my heart. Help me to win souls. Help me to love people. Help me to be kind. Help me, God. I ask you, oh God, give me the fruits of the Spirit so that you can be glorified. That's how your faith's made strong in glorifying God and giving honor to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what He promised. God has promised to give you and I a new life. God has promised to raise us from the dead. This is what we have as uh, believers the hope uh, of eternal life, the hope of the resurrection from the dead. When you're finally expired, when your body finally gives up, you're going to be in the presence of God forever. Jesus is coming back someday soon. Who knows when? It looks like it's getting closer and closer. Hallelujah. If you read the book of Revelation, this is, to me is one of the most significant things I've ever heard. That if you don't have the mark, you cannot buy or sell. Over in China, almost everybody uses their phone to pay for stuff. And it tracks you where you are, who your friends are, who you hang out with, what your social status is, what your education was, where you were born. Are you in good standing with the local authorities? Are you doing good works? Are you putting them on your phone? That little phone is going to be a little chip one of these days. Oh, but it's so convenient. All you have to do is, got everything right there. I don't know about you, but that's scary to me. And they're already putting chips in people. We're getting closer and closer every moment to the day when Jesus comes back. The rapture's going to happen. Who knows when? Only God the Father, What like that trumpet sounds, it's going to be. We're out of here. We're in the presence of God. Right now we're in the presence of God. But it's going to be so much more. Hallelujah. Whatever God has shown you, keep on believing. Keep on trusting God. He is totally trustworthy. He totally, totally, dude, has your best interest at heart because His kingdom is here. And of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. That's one of the blessings of the kingdom of God, that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That when the accuser of the brethren comes and whispers in your ear, hey, remember what you did back then? (laughs) God couldn't possibly care about you. God couldn't possibly love you. I know because (laughs) I've heard that driving down the road, working, delivering produce one day, uh, minding my own business, serving God, I was happy, and all of a sudden, this memory of something horrible I had done years and years ago. Oh, my God! I forgot all about that. But the accuser came and said, oh, See? You can't be right with God because they're glad. And you know what the response is? The blood of Jesus covers all of my sins. Hallelujah. I'm holy and you and I are holy because Jesus paid the price. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and reverence to God as we close in prayer this morning.